Okay, so I called an audible. I apologize. My name is Andrew Holsworth. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And actually today I get to speak to you, which you're like, duh, that's what lead pastors do, except that wasn't the plan for today. Uh, We are in the month of August, and in the month of August, um, it's kind of a blessing to me, uh, and I think it was from the Lord several years ago, is that I invite friends, and I invite other pastors, and I invite guys that are doing ministry across the planet to come in and just yell at you. Uh, I usually tell them, I want you to give the best sermon, like the one that you wouldn't even have to look at your notes and then just yell. That's what I usually want from the guys that come here. Uh, This week was a little different, but I'll say we're going to finish that next week with a a guy named Mike Erie, who was my middle school youth pastor, who's a big, big, huge man, um, and then went places and now is back. So this week, uh, some weird stuff happened in that every person that I asked or even had it filled in that they would be here ended up either having a reason not to come, got sick, said no, couldn't make it. And so I was sitting right here on this stage last Sunday, and I knew there was a hole, and I knew that there wasn't going to be anybody to speak, and I had a guy in front of me that I was going to ask. I was going to ask Jeremiah George, who's one of our elders, and I was like, oh, that'll be easy. That'll fix it. Then I don't have to worry about it, and I'm, I'm not trying to put weight on what I'm about to say, but the Lord was like, don't fill it. I was like, what? You know, like, this is what I do. I fill, I fill spots for speakers. Uh, at least for the month of August, I do. He's like, don't fill it. Wait. So I was like, all right, I'll wait. So I waited. And I don't know if you know anything about me, but waiting's hard. Waiting's really hard for me because I was like, all right, Lord, I trust you enough to not say, hey, Jeremiah, speak. But when we got into like Wednesday, I was like, uh, Lord, we're going to need some names. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we need some like guy walking in the door being like, I was praying and the Lord told me to come here and speak for you. I'd be like, thank you, right? That's what I wanted. And then the more, the more I prayed and the more I just waited, I felt like God was like, no, no, no. I want you to speak these words to these people on this day. And then I want you to get out of the way, little man. And I was like, oh, I, could, I could do that. So I'm going to bring to you some three scriptures that have just been ringing in my soul, ringing in my heart. Uh, but I'll say this. I don't actually enjoy messages like this. I love preaching books of the Bible. I love it. It locks me into the word, makes me say things I wouldn't normally say. Because when you're studying a book verse by verse, you get to parts that are there on purpose by the Holy Spirit, and you just got to cover it, even if it's like awkward or not, right? So we'll be getting into the book of John, the gospel of John, the beginning of September. But, but for today... Um, is, it's not a part of a series. This isn't a vision message. This is, this is like if I preached my, my guts to you. Like if you got my prayer journal and you read it, that would be this sermon. Um, and that one's scarier to me because more than, more than likely, you're probably gonna get a little bit more unpolished Andrew and it's, it feels this weighty and a little different. Um, because if you were to read my prayer journal, uh, you, you would notice that there's, there's things that frustrate me and there's things that I hope for. I, I dream about this place. Like I, it's like part of wired into me of like how, what does God want this to do, be like? I pray for you guys. Like I just have this like burden, even I'll wake up and just feel this weight and pray for cobblestone. Um, and, and this is what I know, that there, are, there has to be these three things that are kind of wired in me, they have to be present in this place. And I'm not saying this flippantly, and this is not a threat, because if these three things aren't here, I won't be. They're just so wired into like what I, that, that who I am, that if they, these disappear, 
I can't hang out here anymore. Uh, and, and so the first one is this, is that we would be a place, I am a man, you would be people of God that say Jesus above all things. Like my heart's cry is there is nothing better to talk about. I don't, I don't wanna have a three-part series on marriage. I, we'll do it, but I wanna talk about Jesus. I, I want his name, I want you talking about what Jesus did more than I want you talking about what I did. I want you talking about what Jesus did more than your problems. I want to hear Jesus heralded, worshiped, praised, prayed to, powerfully watched, and followed. Jesus above everything. There's no other allegiance, no other king, no other name, no other thing that's worth giving your life to. None. And if anything gets in the way of Jesus not being the first and foremost and on the throne, then I just can't, can't do it. And I hope you're with me. I hope there's ever a moment where anything save Jesus is preached, you leave. You have my permission. I'll be the first one out the door. And so there's really this, there's this weight on me. You see it through all my journals, like Jesus, even in this mess, Jesus, even in this, this problem, Jesus, even in this, be the center, be the point, be central to everything. Like be the breath that we breathe. The second thing, and you're going to be like, duh, you're a pastor, but the, the living word, it's just so wired into me that the word of God would be heralded, loved, and not just simply read, but obeyed. But obeyed, which is the harder thing, right? Reading, it's easy. Memorizing it and spoon feeding it to your kids is a little harder, but still easy compared to obeying it. So Hebrews, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of to him whom we must give an account. So I come from a background, from a schooling, which very much used this as a textbook. And so what it did, and, I, and I'm not hating, I love theology, I love doctrine, I love high thoughts of God, is you can remove this from the living God that spoke it. Now, so I wanna be a church that's, that we know the truth. We stand by the truth, we defend the truth, we break down false thinking, we're like, that's not true, let me show you where it is true, but there's a way to read this and handle this where you handle it like it's dead and you handle the one who spoke it like he's dead. So my hope for the living word in this place is that the God of the, li- uh, the, God of the word is living and active. His word is sharp. It's true. It's good. And so if we ever depart from that, if we ever decide, hey, you know what? We, we don't really wanna take that verse into consideration. I will leave and you're like, man, he's making a lot of threats today. I'm just it's so wired into me that Jesus must be first and foremost. The word must be upheld and honored. And then this is the, the newer thing for me is that not only the living word would be present in this place, but the living spirit of God. So I've been on a journey for the last six months where uh, I, the charismatics laugh at me, but I had a box, Right? And this is my understanding of God. And this is what God does. And this is what, over here's what God doesn't do. 
And then regularly over the last six months, you know what God did? He was like, I like your box. And then I'd be like, well, I'm gonna build a bigger box. Uh, and then, right? And then over and over and over again, the spirit of God, I mean, the God has become alive and living. And I've repeated this repeatedly. You should just know, repeated this repeatedly. That's good. Uh, I've said this to a lot of people. I feel like, again, that I'm a part of something alive. And, and so what, what had taken place somewhere right around this time of Bible school is they were like, you be faithful to this. You teach this well. You be faithful until you die and go to heaven. And I was like, that's super bleak. But somewhere in there, the living God has shown up at Cobblestone. The living God. Not the old dead God that spoke once, but the God who speaks now and is alive. And so I want all three of those things. And if you're like, well, that's three different, those things are all the same to me. Where Jesus is first, the word will be obeyed. Where the word is obeyed and Jesus is first, the Holy Spirit will dwell. And where those three things come together, you will have revival, you have power, you will have the very tangible kingdom of God on earth. That's what I want. So I want to pray really quick because the things I have to speak are how I believe the enemy, the accuser, Satan, is up to tricks to try to stop that from happening. And I want to crush it with you. So let's pray. Jesus, you're the king of this place. And it is my first and foremost prayer that you would be above all things. that you're the worthy one, that you're the king, and that I have prayed all week that you would go before me like a river and that you would deal with the people's hearts and you would silence the voice of the enemy. And so we exalt you, King Jesus. You died, you saved us by your death and resurrection. It is your spirit, your church, your word, your power. We have no good thing save you. And so I pray that you would keep all those three things, God, at the front of what we do here. That Jesus, your name and renown and glory would ever be on our lips. That your word would not just be merely read, but it would be obeyed. And that your Holy Spirit would be poured out and would fill us and empower us for the ministry that you've called us to. Those three things, God, weave into the very fabric of cobblestone. Change our hearts this morning. I pray that we would not just hear the word, but that it would pierce to joint and marrow. That you spoke it and you're alive. And that the words you speak, they are sharp. And so I pray that they would do what they're supposed to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last few weeks, and I probably asked a couple of you, I mean, I know I've asked Mike, is like, what do you think God is doing here? Like if you weren't on ground level anymore, but you got up above the clouds and you could look down and you had God's vision, what is God doing at Cobblestone? Better question even might be, what does God want to do at Cobblestone? And so if I sat down with you, we were at Taco Bell, what would you say? What would you say God's doing? What's God want to produce in his people? And in the midst of so much, many things are going on right now. None of them are easy. I mean, that's part of being in leadership. I just kind of always have to be like, all right, Lord, get me above this. Help me see. And so I felt like I was like, well, tell them what you see. 
So in the beginning of this year, we started a thing called Fearless. We started talking about spiritual gifts. We started talking about how we felt like God wanted those three things. Jesus first, follow Jesus fearlessly is what we said. We said, honor the word, obey it. We said, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We were all about the same three things. And I'm telling you, man, there was such an uptick. We had, I had random people coming into my office and coming backstage being like, I don't know what happened. I was just sitting there. I just want to give my life to Jesus. It was, like, it was like during the offering. And I'm like, that's crazy. We had an uptick in salvations and people wanting to know Jesus and people repenting and people, it's like, I, ha- I have so many stories. I, kept, I lost track of people coming into my office and being like, Andrew, this is gonna sound weird. That I, I was like, this isn't even weird anymore. Tell me what you got, right? Like I had a dream the other night and it was so vivid and it was about this place, Andrew. And this is what happened in it. And I'm like, well, let's first, let's test some stuff. Let's test it. And then we would test it and it would be true. Andrew, I, I, I was praying the other day and then another language started coming out. And I'm like, that's, that's weird. Let's talk about what that is in the Bible and then let's test it and then let's make sure it's true. I mean, like over and over and over again. And it wasn't all just like the crazy stuff. It was like, Andrew, I prayed a prayer two days ago that this person would show up so I could tell them about Jesus. And they showed up. And I'm like, pray. Like God was, I mean, on the move, man. And I could feel it. And I would ask other leaders and they'd be like, I feel it too. Like we were all geeking out, man, right? Maybe you felt it. Like there was, a, there was a thing that God was pushing us into. It was alive. It was living. And then the sad part is somewhere around the Exodus series, I felt this like, like we downshifted. And I don't know why. And I keep asking people and some people are like, well, maybe that's just part of God's plan. He needs to do a little preparation. Well, that's, that's another thing. There have been prophetic words given to me by a bunch of random people that that is exactly what God is doing. That he is shaking things that need to be shaken, that he's preparing this place for the work that he wants to do in our midst. And a lot of that is surrounded by one word, repent. Repent. Get right, deal with your sin. Don't just read the word, but obey the word. Like this is what God seems to be doing right now, right here in my face. There's one last thing and it's, I know I'm talking about dreams and visions and those that you were like, a lot like me and where I went to school, that probably makes you uncomfortable, but it's in the Bible. Um, A dream was given to me in which we walked through a gate, a big path. And right outside of that gate was a huge field that was like ripe, a wheat field, ripe for harvest. And so there's this great harvest that lays before us. And then on the horizon comes a gigantic storm, like black and tumultuous, and there's lightning to the point where the person having the dream was like, I couldn't focus on the harvest anymore because the storm was so big. So I got a little bit afraid because the storm's coming and I don't, and then I forgot that there was this thing to do of harvesting, but then all of a sudden, Andrew, in the dream, this Holy Spirit figure comes and goes, follow me. And that's, that was the dream that was given to me. And so I, I pondered it. Ponder, ponder, ponder. And I have prayed about that, that storm because I feel like that's part of my job as a watchman, as an overseer, as an elder is to, all right, Lord, if you're telling the more prophetic intercessors of our group that there's a storm coming, what is that? How do we be prepared for that? And so I wanna, I'm just gonna read an excerpt from my prayer journal um, from the beginning of August. 
you're like, wow, he really is going to preach his journal. I really am. <clears throat> the enemy is crafty. I very much think that he's trying to stop what God wants to do here. Small offenses turn into mountains. Little things become hills to die on. It seems it starts with good intentions, but then gets twisted by the accuser. If this battle is not against flesh and blood, we must wage spiritual war. We must put to death offense and pick up Christ-like love. We must press into worship and prayer now more than ever. Lord, thank you for the people of Cobblestone. Whew. I love them. And I ask for your heart and your love to grow in us. Ruin the enemy's plans and have your way. This is your church. Move in our midst. Amen. There was more, but it was like about my wife and my kids, so I didn't read that part to you. Um, and so <laughs> there's a number of tactics that the enemy has used in the past, and they're old and they're new, but they're really tried and they work. And the two that I can see most, as you already heard them in that prayer, was one of offense. I'm offended over little things. And sometimes you're, it's rightfully so. A leader didn't do what they were supposed to do. Someone said something that wasn't true. And you're like, that's not right. But then that little thing turns into destroy the relationship, burn the church, and I hate them. So offense cannot can sometimes not be sinful, but all it takes is a little, a little push from the enemy, and then we're at war, and we're not looking at Jesus anymore. The second thing that I see is truth without grace. So if you're anything like me, and I hope you are, you know the truth. The truth has set you free. You know Jesus Christ. And so you see something that's not true, but if you're anything like me as well, sometimes you don't have your grace knob turned all the way up. And so what comes out of the mouth is a lot of truth, but a lot of condemnation. And a lot of truth, but no love. And so today, I want you to grab a Bible, and I'm going to read some scriptures over us and to us, because I felt like I was supposed to. And I'm praying that you, you won't check them off. I used to hate this scripture. You're like, wow. I used to not like this scripture. <laughs> Let's not go hate. I used to not like this scripture, because I thought it was always wielded as a weapon, but it's the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. And I'll explain what I meant by the hating comment here in a second so you all don't like, Pastor said he hates scripture. No. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. Uh, we'll read the rest, but we usually read the rest at weddings. But I'll tell you why it's not meant for weddings. If I speak... In the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, we just stop right there, and if you just broke that apart, right? So if you can speak tongues more than anyone, and you have more wisdom than anyone, and if you have faith to really say, blow the lid off this place, and the lid off this church, and the roof just goes, even if you have all that faith, but you don't have love, what do you have? 
Nothing. Nothing. And usually, and this is how, this is why I said I didn't like this verse is because I was like, well, you know, love is great, but like truth is greater, obviously. Power is even better than that. And so I know what it says, but for the longest time, it did not hit my heart. So if you're in here and you know the truth or you know the way that things should be done or you have an offense, this is what you should hear. I am nothing if I don't go in love. So I'll ask a question. It's going to sound a little funny. How's your love life? How's your love life? To put it in more specifics, uh, those that know you, and I mean actually know you, not the false pretenses that you put, that know you, would they say that you are filled with and overflowing with the love of Christ? That when they meet you and they talk to you and you encounter them, that they walk away going, wow. No? You either? If we're being real honest, I have been accused more often of being unloving than loving. Should that not convict me? Or should I just be like, ah, they needed that truth. What did you do this week that was compelled by, moved by the love of Christ? Where, where you couldn't sit still anymore. You couldn't do your natural daily rhythm of texting, brushing your teeth, going to work, gossiping at the water cooler. When was the moment that the love of Christ so filled you and you were so like, oh my gosh, you're so good to me, that you were like, I gotta pour it out. When did that happen this week for you? And so I think there's two categories that God would say, hey, church, hey, cobblestone, you need to hone in on this. And the first one, you're like, no, duh, but our love for unbelievers, our love for those that aren't in this room. And so the good starting place was, if you don't know any unbelievers, that's a, that's a, like a warning. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he had some really hard words to say. Uh, he, he said, I, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. He said it. But think of this. A natural byproduct of knowing Jesus, of being close to Jesus, of hearing Jesus' voice, a natural byproduct of hanging out and exalting Jesus, knowing his word and obeying it, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit, and at least being willing to say, God, where do you want me to go today? Will naturally lead you to the things and the people that he died for. Naturally. It won't be a chore. It won't be like, Oh, I got to get in my three conversions today. It'll just be like all of a sudden out of the natural overflow of your heart because you're hanging out with Jesus and knowing his word and obeying him. Hey, God loves me so much. And I think the Bible says he loves you too. So how's your love for unbelievers? Or there's a, a, a kind of a thing happening in Christianity as far as I can tell uh, if the internet's true, um, where it's not, uh, where Christians are pitting themselves against the rest of the world. But I've said this so many times, you didn't beam up to heaven when you got saved. Do you know why? Because you're God's plan A to take this message of reconciliation and redemption and hope and the love of God to every human being you meet till the day that you die. But the stats, the stats on how, I, I don't even have to do, try really hard. When's the last time you told somebody about the love of Christ? 
And some of you right now, you're getting really prideful because you're like, yesterday. <laughs> right? Well, there's only like 20,000 more students coming in in the next couple weeks. So uh, the natural byproduct of knowing Jesus. And so I think God's saying like, is our heart motivated But what, why, what motivates his? Are we so ingrown? Are we so in focused that we can't even see? The second group, and you're gonna be like, no kidding. So if there's a love for the unbeliever that I see in scripture and that encompasses this, like if I can do all these things and speak in tongues, but I don't have love, then there's this love for believers, love for each other that should be astonishing. Because if you know the love of Christ and I know the love of Christ, this should just be one little lovey family. Well, love bubble here, right? But so often things get turned, things get... Oh, Ben, and here's what, here's real talk. Do you know what's safe? You know what's safe for me as an introvert and a guy that sometimes is a little awkward in public situations? And you're like, why are you on a stage right now? I don't know, all right? Um, what's safe is sticking to me and mine. That's safe. Do you know what opens me up to a thousand wounds, to crying on a stage because love is being blo- like grown in me? You all. Opening my heart up to you, opening my life up to sharing my home, inviting my kids to hang out with your kids, opens up to all kinds of awkwardness, conflict, little moments of just weirdness. It does. But they will know we are Christians by our, oh, is it, is it love? I thought it was our truth. No, they'll know we are Christians by our, by our love. So if you were to think, through your week of how you interacted with this body or if you thought about this body at all or anyone other than yourself, would you say, and I'm going to read the rest of 1 Corinthians now, that these things were true of how you loved? 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The last time I heard that read was at a wedding. Or the last time I actually read this was some Facebook thing was like, if your man's name, you put your man's name in there, and if it doesn't match all those things, he's not the one. And I was like, great. But we could do the same thing. Let me put your name in there. Let me put your name. Don't worry about your man's name, but your name. Put your name in there. Was your love. So Bob, Bill, Eric, Gavin. He's patient and he's kind. Shelby, Laura, Gretchen is, does not envy or boast. Uh, like you could just walk through that. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you, you're not listening. And so I don't think there's any exceptions in this. And, and so when I look around this body and I think of the things that have come through prophetic words of what God wants to do, and I think the storm that's coming is, is Satan wants us to get so distracted by these little offenses. Like all week long, you know what I did? I ran from one little fire to another little fire and then to another little fire and then talk someone off a ledge and then had to go beg someone that did not to leave the church. That's what I did all week. 
all of that, to some degree, started with probably some good-heartedness. And then Satan did his thing. Boop. Get mad. Get vengeful. Hold it against him. And I think if he does that long enough and we let him, we will miss out on the thing that God wants to do in our midst. Jesus will not be the center of what we're doing. We will. And I don't want that. So two things that I, that I see. Number one, there's no exceptions to this love that's supposed to be existing in this place. Uh, and so the two different places that I see it most, maybe not here all the time, uh, but between the generations. So you get your older folk and you get your younger folk. And what happens is Satan's cunning and he'll pit the younger folk against the old folk. What do they know? They're old. We're the new thing. Our style of worship is obviously better than him's. And so just even in that, right? Worship preferences, I'm this young guy that knows what's happening. You can kind of pit two believers against yourself. And then the older people are like, these young morons don't know anything. You want to know why? Because they don't. <laughs> they don't. And so then you have, then it's equally like, we're not loving each other anymore. We're fighting each other when and Satan's in the background going, <laughs> right? So if we're to love each other, then it can't have an age boundary. Like, I'll love everybody that's in the 30 to 40 age bracket. You love everybody that's in the 60 to 70 age. No, 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 no. If you're in this room, you have been called here by the living God as a part of this body with giftings. And we must love each other. And whenever we feel that little bit like, that guy's an idiot, we gotta, we gotta do the hard work of getting face to face and being like, brother, I think the enemy's tempting me, forgive me. All right? I think the other one, uh, and this is, so there's some leaders in this church. There's elders in this church, right? I'm, well, I'm one of them. I guarantee you, you wait long enough, I'll make a decision you don't like. I guarantee it. Every meeting I went to this week, you know what it was about? A decision I made that no, someone didn't like. Here's the, here's the little inside scoop. Every decision I make, there's a group over here and there's a group over here, both threatening the exact opposite things. If you go that way, I'm unhappy and we'll leave. And then there's this other group over here. If you go that way, I'll be unhappy and we'll leave. Which makes my task impossible. Right? Unless I call us to do the hard thing of loving in a manner that Jesus called us to love. And I want to show you how, how ridiculously important this is. How serious it is. In 1 John 4. I'm going to read it to you and get there if you want. It says, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Did you hear that part, that scary part that says, if anyone does not love, does not know God? So there's this temptation to honor the truth, like, I know I am saved, I know the truth of Scripture, and then elevate ourselves, be unloving towards anybody that's not in that category with us, and then slowly and like sneakily, what gets woven into our heart is an air of arrogance, judgment, and bitterness, which, do you see any of that in Jesus? And, and so it, there's so much, anyone who does not love God does not know God. 
So a question should be rolling in your mind. What if I see some of these tendencies to not be loving in your heart and I'll be one of them? I do all the time, right? The number one thing, and I've joked about this, but it's real that God pushes on me the most is hug more people, Andrew. I'm like, I want to hug people, Lord. I want to preach them or rebuke them. No, he's like, hug them. Hug them. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll hug. And some of you have noticed, you're like, see, you're hugging more people. I'm like, yeah, because the Lord told me to, all right? Hugging people, working on it in the internals. Um, so what do we do if you're like me and you're like, I, I see a need for the love of God to transform my heart again? Well, you'll notice in 1 John again, it says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Right there, there's your solution, all right? So in this, the love of God. So here's this love of God, which is at the beginning of creation, out of an overflow of his creativity and his love. He speaks and creation comes, right? This love has been the the song of heaven for forever. It's going on right now. In this, the love of God, everything that you were made for, the relationship that God made you for, this made manifest. That word manifest is made real, is made tangible, is put in front of your face so you can see it in Jesus Christ coming into the world. So that, why did Jesus Christ come into the world? So that we might live through him. Now, here's what I know. None of you have the capacity, maybe for a little bit, You have the capacity to fake it. You have the capacity to lie. Oh, I'm not mad at them. I love them. And then you get home and talk to your husband. You're like, I can't believe that. Trollop. I don't even know what that word means. So that's really bad. Don't email me. I'm sorry. Just came out. All right. Right. This is what we do. Right. So this is, I'll tell you what, we don't fake it. Right. So if you're at odds with somebody in the body, don't fake it. What we usually do is we're like, oh, we're fine, me and Suzanne. And then you avoid. You don't go to the same service. If you're driving, you act like you dropped your coffee so you don't catch eye contact. You just play this whole dumb game where you fake it. That is not the spirit of Christ. Or or we cover it up. You just kind of like shove those feelings down. And I'll tell you, I see that more often than anything. Is like, you actually genuinely try to forgive somebody but then they do something stupid again. But then you shove that down, right? But then they do something stupid even more. And then you, sh- you finally, you, the last straw, and then what happens is because you've been spring-loading this thing, it just vomits out of your mouth. And when you did this and this and this, and when you said that, I was offended. And you're like, that was two years ago. This is all what the enemy does when we don't take seriously the commands to love like Jesus did. And it's, it's happening. I'm telling you, it's a large part of my job. It's happening. And so what, what we do, I believe, is we run to the source. If we are called to live through Christ, we're not called to pull up our loving bootstraps and try harder. We're called to go to the source, the Lord himself, and admit, I am not loving your people the way I should. I want to, I want to, but it's so hard. And admit it and confess it and ask to be filled with a love that transforms. And then guess what? That's an ongoing act. That's like a daily act. That's like a seven times a day act. Lord, 
forgive me, fill my heart with your love. I can't tell you the number of times that I have prayed in the last six months, God, fill me with your love for your people. And you should be happy because you know who loves you more than me most of the time? Jesus. Jesus does. And so I'm like, fill me with your love. Break my heart for the unbelievers around me that it motivates me to open my mouth. Fill me with your love that I won't be so easily offended. And when I am, I'll be bold enough to go to my brother's face and say, God, I didn't like how you said that. And usually half the time, that's such a little misunderstanding, like uh, such a small misunderstanding. Like, I didn't mean that at all. I love you, Andrew. All I was trying to say is something really nice, but I took it meanly. So if I would have let the enemy do what he wanted to do, I would have separation between that brother and I over something dumb. So run to the source. Run to Jesus. Man, it's super late already. So if you've been called here, there's something that I want to highlight, that I want to push on you. uh, And it, it didn't, whatever. I didn't know I was talking about what I'm talking about, but I knew I had to highlight small groups. And so here's where I'm going to push. Uh, I think there's some steps that some of us need to take in this room. Some of us, you need to go have that conversation, the one that you're like gossiping about at home with your spouse. Go talk to that person face to face. Maybe some of you feel sinned against. You need to go to that person and do that hard work and love them like Jesus does. Uh, But I think a lot of us, if you're like me, the tendency is Satan likes to isolate. So if we can get you alone, I can destroy you. If we can get you by yourself, fending for your own, but no, this is why we're a body. And so if you're an introvert like me, rejoice. But I'll push a little bit. Is that I would push on you to join some godly, biblical, worshipful community. And we have some options for you to jump into. Uh, A lot of these things are gonna be starting here when the John study starts in September, and I'm gonna go fast, but all these small group leaders are gonna be out in the atrium after this. I want you to hug them all. I'm just kidding, you don't have to hug them all. But if you're not in a small group, if you're not regularly rubbing shoulders with God's people, if you're never in a place to be actually pushed on by God to love people like he does, you won't. And so here's some small group options that we have, and I'm just going to put them up. And like I said, you can go out there and talk to them. You can sign up next week, and then they'll all be kicking off in September. But let's go one by one. Uh, This is Mike and Minette. They meet on Tuesdays. I hope all this information's right. Mike, Tuesdays, 7 to 8.30. Mike and Minette Shea. This is Mike. He's our prayer director as well. You would love to hang out with Mike. He'll pray for you. I promise. Uh, We have... Wednesdays, 7 to 8.30. That's, this one's in Hamilton, Brett and Mary Jane. Uh, they'll love to hang out with you as well. I'm going to keep going. Wednesdays, 6 o'clock, Dave and Charlotte. I know that they meet here in Oxford, but they don't meet at their house, but I didn't want to put somebody's address on the screen just so a bunch of random people show up at somebody's house. But you can sign up, hang out with them. There's Wednesdays, there's Mondays, there's Fridays. There's almost every day of the week, we have this big family getting together as a little part of this family to do just what we did here. Hear the word, worship and pray. Friday, 6.30 to 8.30, Gary and Denise, they live seven houses down from me on the left. You can drive by my house and wave and I'll wave too while you're going to Jesus' house, cool. Uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m., this is a brand new one. This one one will start in in September, but this is Glenn, newer member, but starting up a small group in his house in in Hamilton. 
all right? Uh, Monday, 7 p.m. in Brookville, Daryl and Gretchen Zimmer, also my in-laws, so great people, love them, best in-laws I got. Tuesday, 7 p.m., Ken and Pat, they're right here at Cobblestone, so maybe you're like, I don't want to go to some person's weird house. You can come to this house, all right? Come here at Cobblestone, hang out with some people that are trying to do the same thing you're trying to love like Jesus wants us to love. Uh, and then Thursday, 7 p.m., Lincoln, he's here also at Cobblestone. He just switched from Wednesday night to Thursday night because the youth group was too loud. So here. <laughs> Tuesday, 7 p.m., Mike and Pat Smith. Uh, I think we can just, we're almost there. I think we're almost. Monday, 7 p.m., Tim Anglin and Bill Loader. Look at that beard. Who wouldn't want to hang out with it? All right? So there you go. I mean, those are our small groups at Cobblestone, all right? Uh, and all these small group leaders are going to be right out there in the atrium after this. You can meet them. You can talk to them. You can be like, ah, I want to see what kind of personality Bill has. And then maybe you'll be like, I want to hang out with Bill, okay? But maybe you're like, you know what? I'm, just, I'm a woman. I'm not, but you might be. That felt weird. Felt weird. We also have some uh, women's Bible studies that are starting up. And I'm just going to do the same thing, but a little bit faster. Uh, you won't meet these people in the atrium. But if you go on our website, the very first thing on the front page is you can sign up for one of these groups. You can sign up for a small group. Uh, this is my wife. Sunday's at 2 p.m. She's hanging out with a group of women. And you can hang out to study the book of John, the Gospel of John, along with her. Uh, Tuesday's at 9.30, Courtney. <clears throat> Sunday's at 6 p.m. in Brookville, Indiana, if you know where that is. Uh, Heather George will be hanging out with women. Tuesdays at 9.30, there is childcare. So if you're a mom and you're like, I got my Tuesday mornings open, Johnny's in school, and I just need somebody to watch the baby, there you go. Hang out and study the word with some other women. Sundays at 4, Monique and Amanda will be rocking it, studying the book of John. And then last but not least, Mondays at 7.30, Naomi and Kelsey will be actually focused on if you're a Miami senior and you're a lady, they want to hang out with you. And you're like, well, I'm a freshman. You can talk to them, maybe give them a five and they'll let you in. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> there you go. All those small groups are designed to push on you the things that I'm pushing right now, that we would be a place that honors Jesus, we would obey the word of God, and that we would listen to the Holy Spirit. And, and so as we end today, um, I'm, I'm praising God. I, I'm not saying I don't hear Jesus as central. I do. I think Satan doesn't want Jesus to be central. I think he wants all the little foxes and all the little problems to be. And I'm, I'm refusing. I'm like, nope, we're going to put our vision on Christ. I praise God that there's a hunger for the word of God in this place. Like a hunger for it. We sign up, we, like, we do classes every once in a while, and you all just like sign up crazily. Like, and we realize that. I, I praise God that simultaneously I see a desire for the Holy Spirit in this place. All those three things are the Spirit of God being poured out here at Cobblestone. And, and so what I want to do is I want to end together, I want to end together today in one voice and in, in some prayer. And, and so I'm probably going to make most of you uncomfortable, but I don't care. Um, what, I, what I had a picture of, I actually had a picture of us all gathering right here together in a little bit of circle. That's impossible. But what is possible is to kind of say, hey, if you're on board, if you're like, you know what? I'm committed to the unity of the spirit. I'm committed to Jesus being central and I'm committed to loving this body that I pictured us standing up and hand in hand, I'm gonna pray. You're like, oh the holding of the hands. 
yeah, if you're willing. I'm not saying you have to hold Cootie Catcher over there next to you, but if you would, if you'd stand. And then if you would, I want to make almost like a human bridge across the aisles. And if you're an introvert, this bugs you to no end, but you don't even have to talk to them. See that? That's a little family there, right? See that little family happen? Well, that's so good. I love that. There's a chain throughout the whole, like, whole room right now. And here's, here's my challenge. Don't, don't let go. I promise you, I will hurt your feelings. Some of them might. But Jesus is worth honoring and obeying, and they are worth loving. Jesus, as we gather right here, we're holding hands. This is your body. It's like the saints go marching. That we wouldn't let anybody fall behind and we wouldn't let anybody rush ahead. We would walk together arm in arm to you, Jesus. That you would do this unifying. That you, by your spirit, you would pour out your spirit right now. Because a work of your spirit is the love of Christ being made manifest in our presence. And so, Lord, show us how to love each other. Show us how to do the hard work. I pray the spirit of offense would be destroyed. And that, Jesus, you would be honored. And as we go out of here, pour out your love into your people and then help them to pour it out on everybody they meet. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. I love you, church. Jesus loves you more. I'll see you next week. That awkward golf clap. I loved it. Hey, if you're leaving and you want prayer, we'd love to pray for you. If you need anything, come talk to us. Come pray. Come whatever.